you just watching? I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. And welcome back to this podcast, which it may seem like it's been a long time. Well, hopefully not for our (laughs) audience. But really, what we just did is we just stopped the recording, cut it, and we started again. Right. Because this is part two of our conversation about Batman, the Dark Knight. And I'm excited to continue on with this discussion because we we have so much CLF to talk about. Oh, yeah. There <laughs> there was way too much to fit into just one episode. And we could see that as our timer was going. And we could see we already had pretty much a full episode. And we only covered the first couple topics of mm-hmm. several of the topics that we wanted to talk about. So I don't think there's really a need to review necessarily. No? I mean, no? I remember everything we just said a few minutes ago. <laughs> Well, they can go back and listen to the other two episodes if they don't know what we're talking about by now. Yeah, and it's probably only been a few days or a week, hopefully, no more, since the last episode was released. So hopefully you remember what we talked about. So getting right back into our discussion, we left off just talking about the condition of man, which I think goes into, well, talking about one of the actual characters that we got to see where he changed in the movie. Harvey Dent, Gotham's White Knight. The thing that interests me most about Harvey Dent is is that he is a good person and he's trying to do good in the city, but he doesn't seem to have any real moral basis for his commitment to good. Um, there there doesn't seem to be a, a, a standard by which he's he's living by. And so he's just good for the sake of good. And, and I think that a man, well, Jesus said, if you build your house on sand, when the storm comes, it's going to tear your house down. And I think that Harvey Dent is a definitely a, an example of a man who has built his house upon sand. Yeah, he worked himself so hard to take down the compromise to, even within Lieutenant Gordon's own group mm-hmm. of people under his authority, there were people that Harvey Dent had to turn in and discovered were compromising or were collaborating with the criminals. So he worked himself so hard to do all of these right things. And that's part of what motivated him to flip completely around is that he worked so hard and wasn't really rewarded and instead lost what he valued so much. And that was Mm -hmm. his love in uh, Rachel Dawes. And character. he even says, he says, I've lost everything. Why me? And it's like, well, why you? I mean, why didn't you have the right standard so that you couldn't be shaken in your faith? Yeah, it shows, yeah, just like you're saying, it shows that he didn't have a good enough standard that when he lost what he valued the most in his life, his love for Rachel, when he lost that, he lost his motivation to continue doing good and instead had turned to this vengeful person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good reminder that even good men can fall. And we know that so much. We see that so often. And the world loves to point that out to us when they see these Christian leaders who fall. Mm-hmm. into sins of many different sorts of immorality or of uh, financial uh, crimes and such. The world loves to point those things out, but really any good man can fall, Christian or otherwise. And 
it reminds me of the scripture verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. And I think, especially men, that is so easy that we can get to this point in our lives that we feel like we've got it all together, that we are doing the right thing. We take pride in doing the right thing. And when we think we're standing like that is when we have to be so careful because just like that, we can make one wrong choice and fall. And the house of cards comes tumbling down, or in, in Jesus's analogy, the, the storm sweeps the house off the sand. So. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we're doing right for not just right's sake, but for God's sake, because God has given us a command to do right. And it's also a good reminder to us as individuals in, in looking at our Christian leaders or in other leaders that they are fallible and that we need to be careful with how much trust we put into them. Because one of the major themes of this movie is that they had set up the entire judicial system and it was pretty much hinging on Harvey Dent's ability and his re- reputation so that when he fell, it set, set up this, this whole system to come tumbling down because he was no longer reliable. He was no longer a good foundation. We can't make men the foundation for the good in our lives. Mm-hmm. We have to make God the foundation because if men will always fail us and it, it's not even a personal reminder to us not to fall, but it's also a reminder to us not to look to men as our support or our, as our goal or idol or whatever, because they are not capable, no matter how good of a man they are, they are not capable of fulfilling all our expectations. Mm-hmm. Only God is. And there was the scene in the movie where Batman was trying to emphasize to Harvey Dent how important it was for Harvey to remain above reproach because he was that hero, because Batman was wanting to treat him like that foundation of right. And so Batman says to him in this dialogue something very important. He wanted to prove that even someone as good as you could fall. That is speaking of the Joker, and sure Mm -hmm. enough, the Joker did prove that someone as good as Harvey Dent, Gotham's white knight, could fall. And if he fell, then that means there was no hope for anybody. And that's where that hopeless feeling comes from in the movie is there's nobody to depend on. I think it is good that Dark Knight illustrated that man can fall like this, because it is a good reminder to us that we too can fall if we lose sight of what is truly right and good. It, in a sense, almost overemphasizes the condition of man's heart that we can do all of these good things and then just one wrong decision, turn around and fall. It's also he, in in himself, he, he personifies um, the beauty and the ugliness of man because he's he's handsome on one side of his face and he's deformed and and destroyed on the other side of his face and and it's a reminder that you know as as beautiful as we can be and the outside you have to remember that there's also a dirtiness to us and that we're disfigured spiritually and so no matter how hard we try to put the right face to the world, we still have that disfigured part Mm. of us that is going to influence how we do things. Yeah, definite symbolism there. And you know what? I got to say, I appreciate you saying that he looked good 
because my sister has always told me that I look kind of like Aaron Eckhart, the character that plays Harvey Dent. So <laughs> The actor, not the character. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't have you know one side that looks good and then another side that's all melted off and looks like the mummy. <laughs> that was actually a very good CG effect making him his yeah whenever i see that i always uh, wonder how did they do that because i mean even when he's talking and rolling his eyes and everything it was a very good effect so then let's talk about the main bad character in this movie the joker yeah i really feel like he personifies satan and and maybe i'm maybe blowing it a little bit too out you know out of proportion there but the fact that he lies constantly and he, his entire goal, he even says it, is to bring chaos. Um, that's what Satan does in our world. And it's interesting that he's called the Joker because I don't necessarily subscribe to this idea. Certain very conservative groups are totally against playing cards, face cards. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they explain is that the king, queen, jack, and joker represent spiritual figures. And the joker represents satan Hmm. now the actual history of that i honestly i don't know i haven't researched it (laughs) enough but i think it's probably legitimate well the joker himself describes himself very well and i think we'll just play that clip now so you can hear what he has to say introduce a little anarchy upset the established order and everything becomes chaos i'm an agent of chaos wow you know what that reminds me of john 10 10 where jesus christ says the thief speaking of satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy so yeah the joker an agent of chaos. He He's not concerned about personal gain. No. He even says later on that, that money does not, not anything having to do with his motivation. He, he doesn't even understand people who are motivated by money. Batman can't figure out Joker, and Alfred's the one who tells him that there's just some people in the world who their only motivation is to see the world burn. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to mention here a, uh, something that I saw in a person that was sitting next to me in a restaurant. I was at a restaurant for a gathering, and these two people uh, walked in to join our group. They were in black trench coats and uh, looked interesting. And during the lunch conversation, they were like completely detached from the rest of the group in terms of conversation. They weren't interacting with the rest of us. But I listened to some of their conversation, and one of them said to the other, Imagine there was a button that if you press that button, the entire world would be destroyed. What would you do? And then he went on to answer for himself. He said, I would dance on that button. Mm. I would press that button over and over and dance on it. Hmm. And I mean, our, with the black trench coats, when they said that, I started to be a little bit concerned about who I was sitting next to. Yeah, it's like, what do they have hidden under those trench coats? <laughs> but people like this actually exist. Oh, yes. That all they care about isn't personal gain, but just upsetting the balance and creating chaos. 
And I think the scripture even tells you very clearly what, what those people are. In John eight forty four, it says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And we see the Joker lying. We see him killing people with seeming no remorse at all. I mean, the opening scene of the movie is is just horrific, and and you know he comes into the bank and they they put mines in everybody's hands and then basically knock them out so all the mines go off and kill everybody. And it's and he kills off all of the people who are helping him make the heist. And it's just a just a, a very abrupt way to start the movie to show you what a totally unrepentant murderer and thief and liar he is from the very beginning you know even in the acting of the joker i think it's kind of disturbing that what we've heard about the late heath ledger in the things that he put himself through to play that part and how disturbed he was in that Mm. and to realize he acted it and look how much it messed him up there are actually people out there almost of that same level of insanity mm-hmm. and acting in terms of an agent of chaos. Mm. It's, uh, it's disturbing. It is disturbing. And I think in the, the level of realism in this movie makes it that much more disturbing because the other Batman movie that had Joker in it, he was just kind of like this lighthearted criminal, oh, who, yeah. you know, and it, it just wasn't... It, believable in him be even being a criminal he was just just kind of stupid but the level of realism in this movie he just it's like whenever he tells that ask people you know you want to know why i got these scars and he goes off on another lie as to how he mm-hmm. got the scars and every story is different because he never tells the truth but it it's it's just his his demeanor his visage it is it, it's just horrifying to even look at him there, there's nothing redeeming about him at all. I think the whole thing with Heath Ledger's suicide or his death, mm-hmm. uh, really, I think that was all a publicity stunt that Heath Ledger did for the movie. Unfortunately, he didn't think yeah. it completely through. <laughs> no award for him. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, though, of the Joker is, of course, Batman. We've already talked about Harvey Dent, but so if... If Joker represents, is a characterization of the devil, then what is Batman? You could kind of call him a Christ figure, but the more I looked at it, I really think that there are situations where he doesn't really fit as a Christ figure. And and I don't think he himself, um, if you were to ask the character, are you a Christ figure, he would definitely say no, he's not. But he is two sides of a coin with the Joker. There is a scene where the Joker is telling him, you know, that he exists because of him and that the two of them are like an immovable force meeting an un- unstoppable object. An, no, or- an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. I'll get it right. Yes. <laughs> an unstoppable force moving and meeting an immovable object. So they are, they are definitely two sides of a, a s- spiritual struggle there. Mm-hmm. They do represent two sides. Batman does set himself up as a character who who wants to inspire good in people. I was meant to inspire good, not madness, not death. 
And so when the copycats come out and when his what he's fighting for gets destroyed, he, he gets really depressed. And you, you see that through the movie. It's part of the hopelessness of the movie. He feels like everything that he's been working towards is being destroyed. He doesn't necessarily have the strength to present himself as a Christ figure. And I think that's why he can't be a Christ, because he can't make it right. He doesn't have the strength to make it right what's gone wrong. So compare then Batman to Jesus Christ. We see that Batman used wrong methods. Now, his ultimate goal was the preservation of the city and the uh, victory of right over wrong. But he used bad methods to get to that point. He stepped out from under authority and acted with no accountability. And although in the end, he says that he will take the blame. Because he's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. And yet we look at Jesus Christ and we see that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. And yes, he took the penalty of sin upon himself, but not because he did anything wrong, but he took it upon himself so that it wouldn't be upon us if we are redeemed by him. Because he says he's the hero that Gotham deserves, but he's not the one they need right now. If you apply that to our spiritual needs because of our debt and sin, what do we deserve? What kind of a hero do we deserve? And we actually, in, in sin, we don't deserve anything. Any hero. Yeah. Right. And and what do we need? We need a hero that will um take all the blame away. And and so in that instance he is he does represent Christ. Not that he's the hero that we deserve, but that he's what we need. And but then again the whole thing ends with the statement that truth is not enough. Because sometimes truth isn't good enough. And that really stuck in my mind. I think even the first time I watched the movie, that stuck in my mind. That they're, they're commenting that it's better for people to have their faith in something rewarded than for them to know the truth. And that is just such a contradiction in terms. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't know the truth, then they're believing a lie and their faith is in, in lies. So Batman cannot be a good figure. He can't. The ultimate message of the movie is is actually skewed because you cannot have a good hero that will give his life for the city in this case and and yet him basing that entire thing on a lie Mm -hmm. because it just totally destroys the whole reason, the whole understanding of what's going on. I have to even question his definition of the word faith. Because Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. And then all of Hebrews 11 continues on talking about all of these men in the Old Testament who had faith but never saw their faith rewarded. And they were also fallible men. Almost every single one of them failed. If you go back and read their mm-hmm. their stories, um, 
they all made mistakes. So in, in trying to hide the fact that Harvey Dent made mistakes and trying to cover up his mistakes to preserve his reputation and basing the entire thing on a lie through Batman taking on the blame for things that Harvey Dent did, it's it's kind of like twisting and turning around that whole idea of believing in the right thing. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, a little side note here, is one of the ways that we can see that scripture's account of historical characters is accurate because scripture records the failures of those characters, mm-hmm. not just their victories, but shows that they are real men who made real mistakes. Right. Okay. Inside note. I think the Joker said something interesting near the end of the movie when Batman has the Joker hanging by his foot about to drop onto an incredible height and the And Batman had just saved him. And then the Joker says this. You truly are incorruptible, aren't you? Huh? You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. Wait a minute. How is it that Batman is not corruptible? And yet, Harvey Dent is. And they lost the same love because they were both in love with her. Yeah. And I think even Batman says that when when they're together. It's like Harvey Dent says, I've lost everything. And and he's like, I did too. You know, because they both lost her. Now, we could say that here is a difference of decisions. That Batman made the right decision. And so he went, he kept on the road of right. Whereas Dent made the wrong decisions. So he took that road. But yet... What separates them? Because if they both lost the same thing, how... And I'm not saying that we have to nail it down to what separates them, but to think about this is, what is it that makes Batman incorruptible? I mean, that's quite... <laughs> that's quite something to say about a person, to say that they are incorruptible. That's almost like saying that Batman is immune from making the wrong decision which he's a man, just Mm -hmm. like the rest of us. He can make a wrong decision. He, just like Harvey Dent, could be one decision away from making the wrong choice and going down the wrong road. And it's even worse for him because Harvey is using his real name. People know who he really is. He's taking his real reputation on it. He has the accountability. He has the accountability, and Batman has no accountability. There's nobody who knows other than a couple people that Bruce Wayne is is Batman. And but I I do think to some extent they do cuz what's what's his name the the black guy. He actually kind of holds Bruce accountable cuz he knows he kind of halfway knows what's going on. Yeah. And Mr. Fox. Mr. Fox. Yeah, he kind of halfway knows what's going on and and there's a there's a statement here is like, well, if you have me do this and it was you know tracking everybody's cell phones to find the Joker. He's like, I'm, you're going to have my resignation on your desk. Because he had a moral standard that he couldn't go beyond. And and Bruce had allowed him to set up... He, Bruce had actually set up the system where Mr. Fox could actually destroy the whole system when he was done. So that he could have that accountability. But yeah, I think um, there is some accountability there, but not enough. Because there aren't enough people who know who Batman really is. So if he makes the wrong decision, all he has to do is is throw the Batman suit you know, away and walk on as Bruce Wayne and nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to hold him accountable for his crimes. And I think that's even why the Joker was making a big deal about unmasking Batman through the mm-hmm. whole movie. 
Yeah, because he wanted to give that face. But then eventually the Joker had decided that no, he doesn't want Batman revealed. Right. And that's why he put the death threat out on that accountant accountant that threatened or was essentially trying to blackmail Batman to reveal his identity. Because the Joker changed his mind and decided that no, it's better if the Batman continue. Mm. Yeah, I think there is kind of a study of contrast going on in, in, in the whole film. You see the, the dark versus light, the civilized versus savage, and you see the order versus chaos. And I think maybe even um, I think maybe even Joker realized that you can't have chaos without order. And so Batman represented the order, and the chaos isn't worth anything unless you're destroying order. And he even says in that same sequence, just right after the clip that I had just played... And I won't kill you, because you're just too much fun. (laughs) He enjoys playing with Batman. Yeah. Making a mess, and Batman having to clean it up. It's it's part of that whole psychological, or that, uh, uh, the fact that he's a psychotic criminal, is he enjoys the chaos. Right. Scary. I think probably the last thing that we probably ought to mention in regards to this movie is the discussion of morality. There are um, two distinct quotes that are in the movie. One is by the Joker, and the other one is by Harvey Dent after he becomes Harvey Two-Face. The Joker has an interesting way of looking at, at morals. See, they're morals. They're code. It's a bad joke. Dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. That is an interesting statement that people are only as good as the world allows them to be. That really caught my attention. That that he's using that that relative truth morality mm-hmm. where you, you base your morality on what you think is right or what someone else thinks is right. And that brings us back to our, our whole you know, worldview is that there is absolute truth. And if your morality isn't based on absolute truth, then it's just what the Joker says. You're only as good as the world allows you to be. And that's actually a, a, a very strong statement of truth there. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, because if you exceed that goodness, we could call it, then what? then the world thinks you're too good, then the world thinks you've crossed over into evil, or then the world kills you because you're too good. Right. And it's, it's just a subjective standard. There's no, there's no basis for an absolute there. Well, Harvey has a slightly different way that he presents, and he's flipping a coin uh, to make decisions through the whole movie. And it the beginning of the movie, it's just a two-faced coin, so he always gives heads to the one that he wants to happen, so that when somebody, when he flips it, it's always his, he, he basically makes his own luck. But after he becomes two-faced, one side of the coin is melted and burned, and so then it truly comes becomes a 50-50 chance. And so now, this is what he says about morality. The world is cruel, and the only morality in a cruel world is chance. Unbiased, unprejudiced, fair. So, what kind of morality is a 50-50 chance? Yeah, it, it's not. You're not going to flip a coin at a store and say, should I rob this store or not? 
oh, look, I should. That's a chance, <laughs> is that I should rob this store. Yeah, or any decision you make. I mean, if you're flipping a coin to make your decisions, and you've got serious issues. <laughs> I mean, really. you you got to have a, a reason, a logic, a, a standard to base your decision-making on, and... And that's what a morality is. Now, his statement that the only morality in a cruel world is chance. And I'm not sure. Of course, obviously, he's, he's not sane anymore, so he's not making sane comments. But he sees the world has become completely cruel because it's taken away everything that he has. And so now he's just leaving everything up to chance. But does that make the world less cruel? Or does it make it more cruel? I don't think it changes the condition of the world because the condition of the world is I mean, sinful, fallen. Right. And just because something bad has happened to him, that hasn't changed the world. It's changed his perception of the, the world. world. Right. And that was a change by his own choice. Right. He chose to view the world that way. And so his, his basis for morality changed as well. Mm-hmm. And that was when we go back and this kind of brings us full circle back to Harvey Dent as a person, as a character, is that he did not have a, a stable enough foundation for his morality to begin with, so that when the world turned cruel on him, um, it, it just totally slashed his, his absolute authority, his absolute moral authority. And so it became a coin mm-hmm. that he uses to, to decide life or death. Yeah. Now... There's a whole lot more in this movie we could have gotten into, and a whole lot more quotes and things, statements, and we could have spent a whole episode just talking about that scene with the boats, the social experiment. Oh, yes. Maybe someday in the future we will. (laughs) But instead of that, what we would love to do is we would love to hear from you, our listeners, on how some of these things have stood out to you, or your responses to many of these things that we've said. And you can leave your responses on our website, areyoujustwatching.com slash podcast slash 003, since this is now episode three of our show, even though it's part two of a previous part episode. You can also send us a message directly through the website, areyoujustwatching.com. Just click the contact link in the upper right corner. It takes you to our contact page. Or email us directly us at areyoujustwatching.com or you can leave us a voicemail that we can play back on the show and respond to you with our voice as well and that voicemail line is 859-353-4332 and let us know what you thought of this discussion of some of the other things that stood out to you in this movie Batman the Dark Knight and like I said there's a whole lot more in it that there just isn't the time. To we cover could it just all. start a, a, a discussion in the comments if you would like. It would be fun to hear your take on the movie as well. And we also want to hear um, if you have suggestions as movies you would like us to to do this to in in the future. We already have decided what movie we're going to do next. And Serenity. Yes, and we're going to be excited about that because we both really love sci-fi and Serenity is a terrific sci-fi. And it has a huge cult following to it. Well, so does Batman Dark Knight, but (laughs) 
there serenity will be pretty fun it'll be fun do. and and we would love to even hear your comments um heading into serenity so if you have anything you want to say even before we discuss serenity please go ahead and leave us a comment about that as well yeah at are you just watching.com slash podcast slash zero zero three or any of the other methods that i just mentioned and for that next episode to make sure that you don't miss it which i'm sure you don't want to miss it you need to subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, you can subscribe in iTunes. You can subscribe for your Zoom through the Zoom Marketplace. You can subscribe to the blog via RSS or even just by email and be emailed whenever we post something new on the blog or post a new episode of the podcast. And all of these subscription methods are on the website, areyoujustwatching.com. They're the big buttons on the right side. I like the big buttons, if you can tell. And when you're on the website, we'd also like you to take advantage of our donate button. And we're not here to ask for money. We're not making money off of this. We're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts. Ha ha. And also, we, we just enjoy movies and we like discussing them. So, But obviously, I am on a low-quality microphone, and I would love to be on a higher-quality microphone. And we have equipment needs. And if you would like, like to support us in making this an even better podcast, then please feel free to donate. Yeah. And tell your friends, subscribe to us through every computer that you have, or follow us on Twitter, too, twitter.com slash watching. And unfortunately, that's just the letters R and U, just watching, because Twitter doesn't let me type it all out. Now, one thing I want to inform you all about is that I am going to start blogging occasionally on an Are You Just Reading topic. And the first topic I'm going to blog about is the right now very popular Twilight Saga by Stephanie Meyer. And I'm currently reading the books, and I'm hoping within a couple weeks to have a blog up, um, basically doing the same thing we do on this podcast, but just in a blog form on books. So if you enjoy reading uh, and want to suggest books that you would also like me to cover in future um, blog posts, then, then please comment. And... Um, please keep an eye on our website for that blog. So make sure you're subscribed and you won't miss a single thing. And it's free to subscribe, too. And if you like our own personalities, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. And I'm Eve Franklin. So join us on Twitter. If Eve ever tweets very much. (laughs) I'm more the Twitter addict than Eve is. I never can think of what I want to tell people I'm doing. So, sorry. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you subscribing. And if you choose to support the show financially, we will really be grateful. But even if you don't, please tell someone about the website, follow us, send us a message. I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching? is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at answersvbs.com. <laughs>